are listening to the Salem Oracle Podcast, a doorway into another dimension of time and space, where we travel back to 1692 to better understand the Salem Witch Trials. I'm your host, Maya Rook. Together, let's peel back the veil and see what it reveals about this infamous, fascinating, and dark piece of our shared history. The Salem Oracle Podcast is an illusory time production and is an accompaniment to the day-by-day chronicles of the Salem Witch Trials on Twitter and Instagram at Salem underscore Oracle. Be sure to follow along for daily updates. Hello, welcome back to the Salem Oracle Podcast. Maya here, ready to take a look back at the last week, March 21st to the 27th, 1692. And before we get into it, I do want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in for last week's virtual event, The First Witches of Salem, where we explored the stories of the first people to be accused of witchcraft in Salem Village. And just a heads up, I'm also spending some time talking about these individuals in more detail over on the Salem Oracle members bonus podcast. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check out the membership tiers at illusorytime.com slash Oracle. And this is great if you are are interested, you want to learn more, and gain access to these exclusive episodes and lots of other cool stuff as well. All right, so what happened over the last week? Well, we kick things off with a big one. On Monday, March 21st, 1692, the magistrates examined Martha Corey. Uh, So her warrant instructed the constable to bring her in at noon on March 21st. So we can expect that the examinations took place shortly afterward. As usual, the meeting house is packed, and now there are many more afflicted people than the last time. So the warrant indicates she was accused of tormenting Ann Putnam Sr. and Jr., little mother-daughter duo going on, Mercy Lewis, Abigail Williams, and Elizabeth Hubbard. And then we also have an account by Diodot Lawson, where he says that Bethshua Pope, Sarah Bibber, and in his words, an ancient woman named Goodall, which was most likely Margaret Goodall, as well as Mary Walcott and Betty Paris were present and among the afflicted at this point in time. So the magistrates begin questioning Martha. You are now in the hands of authority. Tell me now why you hurt these persons. Again, of course, beginning with that presumption of guilt. But she says, I do not. And they continue to press her, but she is adamant. I am an innocent person. I never had to do with witchcraft since I was born. I am a gospel woman. They ask her specifically about the incident that happened last week, how there were two men, they visited her to talk about the claims of the afflicted. And... Martha Corey knew that they were coming to talk to her. She wasn't surprised at all. And she says, I know why you're here. You're here to talk to me about being a witch. And they asked, and she also knew that they had asked one of the afflicted girls what clothing the specter of Martha Corey was wearing. So how could she know that? How could she know about this question about the clothing and that they were coming to talk to her at all? And she really can't give them a satisfactory answer So first she says her husband told her, but he's there and he denies it. And then she said nobody told her. She guessed it. And then she says she heard other people speaking about it. So she knew that her name was being floated among the afflicted. 
And in the midst of all of this going on, one of the afflicted girls calls out, there is a man whispering in her ear. And the magistrates ask, what did he say to you? But Martha replies, we must not believe all that these distracted children say. So, of course, they're not happy about that, and they start displaying their afflictions and, you know, writhing and blah, 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 their grievous fits. And Martha says, again, they should not believe distracted persons. So the question continues, and Martha will not budge. She denies the accusations, even as the afflicted girls claim again and again she torments them. Uh, they even start mimicking her movements. So when she bites her lip, they claim to be bitten. When she squeezes her hands, they fall into fits. When she says she is a gospel woman, one of the afflicted call out, ah, she is a gospel witch. And she even laughs at the absurdity of this whole situation, the absurdity of the questions, these claims that she was in covenant with the devil, that she had a little yellow bird as a familiar, that her specter supposedly struck at Mercy Lewis with an iron rod. At the very end of the examination, they ask, Why did you say, if you were a witch, you should have no pardon? And she replies, Because I am a woman. And that is the last line of her examination. All of this is enough evidence to convince the judges Martha Corey is brought to the Salem jail to be held for future trial. The following day, on March 22nd, the specter of Rebecca Nurse accosts Anne Putnam Sr., insisting that she sign a little red book. And Anne fights back against her, quoting scripture to strengthen her resolve. And finally, after two hours, Rebecca Nurse's specter retreats. But she seems to be quite interested in Anne Putnam Sr., as does the specter of Martha Corey, who returned to torment her the next day. So on March 23rd, Reverend Deodat Lawson pays a visit to the Putnam home, where Martha Specter has supposedly been assaulting Anne Sr. But when he arrives, Anne rests in her bed. She's recovering from a recent seizure, and she asks the Reverend to pray with them. After the prayer, Anne appears to be at peace, and then suddenly she starts jerking and flailing her limbs about. And she cries out, Good wife, nurse, be gone, be gone, be gone. Are you not ashamed, a woman of your profession, to afflict a poor creature so? What hurt did I ever do you in my life? You have but two years to live, and the devil will torment your soul. For this your name is blotted out of God's book, and it shall never be put in God's book again. Be gone for shame. Are you not afraid of that which is coming upon you? Jeez, Anne. So dramatic. You have to really wonder what's going on in the Putnam house, considering how... The mother and daughter, Anne Putnam, act during these different situations throughout the trials. And then Anne Putnam Sr. and Rebecca Spector proceed to argue about a scriptural passage, which has been quite a sight to see to watch this woman arguing against this invisible specter. Right? So finally, uh, Lawson will actually read the passage that she's calling out, Revelations chapter 3, and Anne will relax. And Rebecca Nurse and Martha Corey must be pretty busy today because Abigail Williams also reports spectral visits from these two women. And then from the spectral world into reality, Edward and Jonathan Putnam file official complaints against Rebecca Nurse, this 71-year-old, full-fledged, respected church member 
as well as Dorothy Good, Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter. The magistrates issue arrest warrants stating that Dorothy and Rebecca are to be brought to Ingersoll's Ordinary by 8 a.m. the next day. So in light of all these accusations, a committee goes to visit Rebecca Nurse to let her know what's going on. And while Rebecca knows about the afflicted and she's been praying for them, she's completely unaware that she is among the accused. And when she finds out, she's completely amazed. And so on the morning of March 24th, Rebecca Nurse and Dorothy Good are brought to Ingersoll's Ordinary, the tavern, just prior to their examinations at the meeting house. So before we see what happens during the examinations, let's just take a moment here to acknowledge how messed up this is. We've got a 71-year-old woman and a 4-year-old girl arrested, about to be examined, accused of witchcraft. All right, you know, like this is just, it's not cool, Salem. It's really, really not When Rebecca enters the meeting house for her examination, the afflicted are sitting there among the pews, and of course they're writhing, they're agitated, they're all upset, and Ann Putnam and Abigail Williams cry out in their fits that Rebecca has hurt them. The magistrates ask, what do you say to it? And Rebecca replies, I can say before my eternal father, I am innocent, and God will clear my innocency. Others testify against Rebecca Nurse as well, but she insists she has been ill. She hasn't even left the house in over a week, saying, I am innocent and clear and have not been able to get out of doors these eight or nine days. I never afflicted no child, never in my life. The afflicted claim to see a black man whispering in Rebecca's ear. And Ann Putnam Sr. has such a terrible fit during the examination that she actually has to be carried out of the meeting house. Again, with the drama. Whenever Rebecca moves her body, the afflicted will writhe in pain, matching their convulsions to her movements. At one point, she cocks her head, and Elizabeth Hubbard's neck simultaneously falls over to the side. And Abigail Williams cries out, set up Goody Nurse's head, the maid's neck will be broke. Again, you can probably just imagine how intense things would be in the meeting house. Now, when the examination is over, Rebecca Nurse is ordered to the Salem jail. The torments of the afflicted are enough evidence here to hold even an elderly, well-respected, full-fledged member of the church. Little Dorothy Good is up next for examination. Again, she is four years old, just four years old. Um, The afflicted, of course, they're writhing in their fits whenever the child looks at them. They complain the specter of Dorothy bites and pinches them, and they actually display teeth marks on their skin as evidence. At the conclusion of her examination, the magistrates ordered Dorothy Good to prison as well. Following the examinations, Reverend Diodot Lawson delivers a sermon to the people of Salem Village, and he cautions against speculation, reminding the congregation, nobody's been proven guilty yet. But of course we know, many of these people are already guilty in the minds of the villagers, and of course, especially in the minds of the afflicted. So it is clear that by March 25th, Reverend Paris has by now discovered Mary Sibley's involvement in the witch cake incident back in February. We don't know exactly when he finds out about it, but we do know that on this day, he reprimands her privately in his office. And Paris's notes read, I discoursed said sister in my study about the grand error, and said sister Sibley assented to the same with tears and sorrowful confession. 
We also know that the previous night, Mary Warren stayed in the village following the examinations of Rebecca Nurse and Dorothy Good. And today, John Proctor goes to fetch her, right? She is his servant. And on the way, he talks to Samuel Sibley, Mary Sibley's husband. Uh, But they don't talk about the witch cake or Mary getting reprimanded. Instead, Proctor does most of the talking. And he warns of the danger of listening to the afflicted girl, saying, We should all be devils and witches quickly. They should rather be had to the whipping post. And that he would take his servant Mary and thrash the devil out of her. Sibley also reports that John cries out, Hang them, hang them. This might come back to uh, bite John Proctor later on. All right, on March 26, the magistrates will question little Dorothy Good once again, who is now in prison. And Diodot Lawson offers really the only account of this, and he says, The child told them, the magistrates, it had a little snake that used to suck on the lowest joint of its forefinger, where they observed a deep red spot about the bigness of a flea bite. And the magistrates, they asked Dorothy, who gave her the snake, whether the great black man. No, says Dorothy. My mother gave it. So admitting you have a familiar and also probably unwittingly providing incriminating evidence against your own mom. Again, this poor little four-year-old girl is probably completely freaked out about her situation. And now she's living in terrible conditions in prison. On March 27th, it is a Sunday And during meeting today, Reverend Paris will publicly call out Mary Sibley for her role in baking the witch cake. And she does express her regret for these actions and offers an apology in front of the Salem Village Parish. So Paris speaks on the incident, noting that the afflictions grew worse following the, what he calls, diabolical means of making of a cake by my Indian man who had his direction from this our Mary Sibley. And he continues, since which apparitions have been plenty, and exceeding much mischief hath followed. But by this means, it seems, the devil hath been raised amongst us, and his rage is vehement and terrible. And when he shall be allayed, silenced, the Lord only knows. And he talks about this use of counter magic, of baking the witch cake, as going to the devil for help against the devil because in his mind all magic even well-intentioned even if it has roots in english customs is only possible through the help of demons during his sermon reverend paris will also quote christ's remarks about judas iscariot uh, calling from john six seventy, saying have i not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil And as he reads, Sarah Cloyce, who is one of Rebecca Nurse's sisters, will get up and storm out of the meeting house, slamming the door as she exits. I'd be pretty pissed, too, if I was sitting in that meeting, listening to this reverend, knowing that my sister had just been arrested, examined, and imprisoned. I'd be slamming a lot of doors. All right, so that is it for the last week. Let's get our little weekly roundup of names. That's going to help us keep track of who's been afflicted, accused, imprisoned, etc. So for those who have experienced afflictions, we have Abigail Williams, Betty Paris, Ann Putnam Jr., Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Warren, Mercy Lewis, Mary Fuller, Marjorie Thorne, Ann Putnam Sr., 
Mary Walcott, Beth Shua Pope, Sarah Bibber, and Margaret Goodall. And then nine people have been accused of causing these afflictions. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, Tichuba, Elizabeth Proctor, Martha Corey, Rebecca Nurse, John Proctor, Rachel Clinton, and Dorothy Good. Six of those people have been arrested, examined, and imprisoned. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, Tichuba, Martha Corey, Rebecca Nurse, and Dorothy Good. And then we've had confessions from Tichuba and Dorothy Good because, yes, again, that admittance of having a pet snake is taken as a confession to having a spirit familiar given to her by her witch mother, Sarah. All right, so thank you so much for listening today and for catching up on the happenings of Salem 1692 over the last week. I do have a request for my listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please, please, please take a minute to go on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else possible and leave a review, right? Rate and review the show. I could really use some more love for the show to help spread the word and to reach more listeners. And leaving reviews is just one way to help increase visibility. And it will literally take you less than a minute. And it would be such a big help to me. So just think of the many minutes, many hours of content, of information, of insight you're getting from this podcast, of the daily posts every day, and just one little thing you can do is leave a review. Rating and reviewing the show wherever you have the opportunity is a great way to show support, as is subscribing, sharing it with your friends, posting it on your social media, and I really do appreciate those who have done so already. It's a huge help. And another way to support the show is to become a supporting member of the Salem Oracle Project. You can find out more about that at illusorytime.com slash Oracle. So you can gain access to all kinds of cool bonus content like a monthly newsletter. We've got exclusive podcast episodes where we go even deeper. Uh, You can access virtual events and also know that you're making this whole investigation into the Salem Trials possible. And as a heads up for our next Salem Oracle virtual event, we're going to turn our attention to the Afflicted Girls of Salem on Wednesday, April 27th. Who were these people making all these accusations? What's their story? All right, so this is going to be a really fascinating exploration into their backstories, their lives, and we'll also consider possible explanations behind their behavior. So if you're interested in that, be sure to sign up on illusorytime.com. All right, thanks again to everyone for listening today. I'll see you soon. The Salem Oracle Podcast is an Illusory Time production, hosted by Maya Rook, theme music by Just Milk. Follow along with the day-by-day account of the Salem Witch Trials at Salem underscore Oracle on Twitter and Instagram. Find out more about this project, become a member, and check out upcoming virtual events at illusorytime.com slash Salem Oracle. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take the time to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends so we can bring more people along on this journey back to the dark days of 1692.